Hi there and welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to in your tea break. You're with me, Arthur Moore, and with me as always is Michael Harrell. Mike, how are you today? I'm, uh, I'm all right. I've just got back from parents' evening, Arthur. Uh, it's been a long day. We're still at school here in Thailand for another week. So I am drinking caffeinated tea tonight. I'm getting myself through the pod, um, keeping myself awake at eight o'clock at night because that's the exciting life I lead. Uh, what are you drinking and what have you been up to this week? Well, I was really hurt last week, Mike, when you said my tea wasn't of the people. So I've gone back to my roots. So I'm having a nice fruity elderberry tea. So, you know, proper down there with the with the common man. And this week I've been listening to I, an audio I don't know where to start with that. Stop, I'm stop, just stop. You're not carrying it. on. You're drinking elderberry tea. Yeah. I thought, okay, you carry on. The listeners right now are going, Arthur, great guy. Um, and I've been on BBC Sounds listening to an audiobook of Clara and the Sun by Kazuru Ishiguru, um, which is his new book app. It's also on um, I, um, BBC Sounds and it is brilliant. I won't say anything because it gives the whole story away, but it's absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend it. It's in 15 minute chunks on, um, on the podcast. It's just absolutely brilliant. What about you? Been watching, listening, doing anything exciting this week? Watching The Dissident. It's finally on Amazon Prime. It's an amazing documentary. It's by uh, Brian Fogel, who also did Icarus. If you've seen that on Netflix, um, highly recommend it. Get on, watch it. Um, we're going to have a quick break now for you to boil the kettle. Do not stop the podcast and go and watch The Dissident instead. Uh, stay with us where we're going to be speaking to Danielle. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Uh, we're speaking to Danielle today, uh, who's a deputy head in London. Uh, we're speaking today about can you be a great leader without being a great teacher? So I'm going to hand over to you for this, an Arthur. Well, I think you've missed out a key part of the whole team teaching podcast premise, Michael, by not asking Danielle what she's drinking. So, Danielle, hi, what are you drinking? Danielle, I'm sorry, I forgot the basic protocol. I'm, I'm really sorry. It, it's been a long day. I'm judging you both slightly. I've been invited to tea and teaching and I'm now not being invited to share my tea. So, Arthur, I'm going to do one better. I've really gone back to my roots. I'm drinking a rooibos tea, which is the South African decaffeinated tea and grows on the bushes in Cape Town. So, cheers to you. Any, you gonna tease her, Mike, about that? Or are you just gonna say, oh, that sounds nice? No, red, no, red bush tea is amazing for your health. Mm -hmm. I, I'm all for Roy it. Boss. Red bushes, Roy translation, Roy Boss. Ten, there you go. Well depends if you wanna speak Afrikaans or English, <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. Okay, I'll give it to you. Right, before we go off on a completely other podcast, um, as Mike said, today we're talking about, do good school leaders need to be good teachers? Just to clarify, before we get into this, when we're talking about school leaders, we're talking about people in formal leadership positions, so kind of middle leaders up, me and Mike were saying. So before we get into the discussion, I'm going to go for a one-word answer. Do good school leaders need to be good teachers? I'm excited. Danielle, yes, no. Yes. Michael Harrowell, yes, no. Yes. Arthur Moore, yes, no. No. Wrong. <laughs> and that's Couldn't the end guess. of the podcast. No, so uh, let's go to you first, Mike. Why do you think school leaders need to be good teachers? 
Right, I've been thinking about this because I knew you'd say no. So I've been preparing my argument against you because um, I will not live in a world where Arthur Moore is right about something. So here's, here's my argument. School leadership for me involves two slightly different uh, elements. There's the management and there's the leadership. So management for me is about creating processes and procedures. It's about all the things that the fundamental uh, systems that run within school that create the environment in which teachers can be great. So as a, lead, as a school leader, I want to make sure everything in my school works towards supporting teachers in the classroom. The other side of that is the leadership side, which for me is about having the vision and creating the culture that staff then work in within those. Okay, so they've got the procedures, they've got the culture. I want those two things to come together and hopefully make an outstanding school. For me, I don't understand how you can build those components within management, within leadership, without having experience of other people leading you and having experience of what truly makes an outstanding school. So that's my argument. And I'm going to throw it to Danielle first, because I want to get kind of both of you shouting to me before I kind of rebut. Um, so Danielle, what, what do you think? Well, I'm teaming up with Mike. I couldn't have actually put that better myself. I think if we think about all leaders within schools should come from a teaching background therefore you have to have been a leader within the classroom first and to be a good leader as a teacher is to understand the needs for your pupils and to understand what they require from you and how you can teach them to self-regulate over time so if we then extrapolate that and you think about that from a position of responsibility or management you're effectively doing the same thing with staff as you are with those students and so you're still teaching teachers a how to teach but B, if we think about, I suppose now in the British education system, the emphasis on whole child development is so important. And therefore, if we think about a teacher in the purest sense, it's not teaching someone, sorry, Arthur, to add things together. Or from my perspective as an English teacher, how to spell words, which still, I'm still trying to teach Arthur these many years later, but never mind. Um, instead, what we're really trying to think about is how we can help children to navigate and young learners to navigate their journeys through education, understanding what they know, what they've overcome, where they want to get to from that aspiration perspective, and ultimately how we can help them get there. And to me, that's actually where I don't necessarily think I particularly see a stark difference, we strip it back that much, to the difference between a teacher and a leader. Because leaders are still teaching teachers how best to fit into the culture that Mike was talking about, and how well we can move the school forward to ensure that we're giving the very best futures to all of those children. So I agree with almost everything both of you are saying. My, the, the point I'm coming from, and it's probably interesting to note here, I'm the only member on today's podcast who would not consider themselves a member of SLT at any point in their teaching career. You both have been, I have not. Um, and I now don't even work in a school, so you can take from that what you want. But my point <laughs> is, is I, I agree that the senior leaders in a school need to be able to recognize good teachers. Absolutely. That's the most important thing. The research shows again and again, great schools have great teachers. But my point is, I don't think you need to be a good, great teacher in order to recognize great teaching. I think you can come from it from a different perspective and go into a classroom and recognize what good teaching is without being a good teacher yourself. And I would argue that's actually even more important the more um, responsibility you have in a school is to be able to recognise and to promote good teaching. So I don't know, Michael, you're pulling a face of like, 
Um, don't know what, I can see a face there. So come back at me, go on. Well, it's a similar face I pull every time you, you chirp up like this, but you, you haven't said why in all that. You've essentially just repeated that you don't think you need to be a good teacher to recognize good teaching. So why? So um, think of a football team, Michael. Does the coach have to have been a great player? I think there's examples where no, but I think they've got experience within the game. I don't think you could pluck someone out of a, a football stand who's a good manager in a business, thrust them into a football team and say, now go and be a good leader, a good coach, good manager there in that context. I think you have to have understood the context and developed a knowledge of what happens within football clubs. Danielle, Danielle, I can see Danielle I, nodding I, I with me. I want, I want Danielle on this podcast every single week because she agrees with me <laughs> and she argues against you. So go, Danielle, back me up. Go, go, go. Right, for the caveat, because you can call me an absolute nerd as I start to talk about pedagogy now and principles. But I think, actually, you both make a relatively good point, Arthur, semi-compliment to you. Um, if I think about my positions, I've been a deputy of many areas now, and one of the most challenging aspects of stepping up to being a deputy head was when I managed whole school pedagogy. Now, I'm an English teacher. I studied history at university. I've also taught French. I've taught philosophy, X, Y, Z. So you can kind of put me in the humanities, English languages, and I'm fine. Maths, I give it a good go. I do quite like it. It's right or wrong, really easy to mark. Don't know what the maths teachers whine about, but nonetheless... But you put me into something like health and social care, you put me into drama, dance, and I'm just, my head spins. Now, I can understand from a pedagogical perspective, clarity of instruction is really important. I have to be able to understand that I need to do some kind of a mechanism for checking if the children understand me. I have these principles of pedagogy that I have to fully understand and have a sense of how blanket approach they are or actually how specific and nuanced they can become. Now, to be a good teacher, I have to understand that. Does that have to make me an expert at health and social care? No. Do I have to be an expert at chemistry? Dear God, no. Never going to happen. But I have to have some kind of expertise and understanding what it means to be a good teacher and what is required of me as a teacher to be able to apply that to a range of scenarios. So I agree that it is about context. But similarly, I've also had the pleasure of working in some primary settings. Now, to me, the most phenomenal teachers are those teachers who are teaching children to read and write and speak. I've got such admiration and respect for them. But again, those same principles apply. So even though I'm not necessarily teaching that teacher how to teach, I've got to be able to recognise those expertise and those pedagogical principles to enable myself to form values and evaluations of their teaching capability. And to me, Harvey, I will come to you because I can see you're on the edge of your seat ready to talk. But I think the biggest thing for me that's ever helped as a senior leader, and I worked across a very large trust as well where I was consulting, is the credibility of being a good teacher myself. And that can be slightly arrogant, but I am a very good teacher. I put a lot into my teaching. And that to me as a senior leader is what gives me the credibility and will encourage other teachers to listen to me. Arthur. So I, I agree massively with a lot of what you're saying, especially the last point. Um, my kind of background going into teaching was a lot more kind of academic and kind of the leadership side of it. And from what I understand of the theory is the biggest part of leadership is to trust your leaders. And from what I'm hearing a lot of you saying, and Mike as well, it's it's much better to give feedback. People more like to listen 
if you're a good teacher because they trust your opinion, they trust the feedback you're giving. My point is that I just don't think that is a rec prerequisite to being a good leader is to have been a good teacher. And I'd be interested to know one question I have, um, Michael, you're an, you're an assistant head, E-type. When you did your interview for assistant head, did you teach a lesson? No. Danielle, yes. when you applied, oh, so you did. So Mike. At every single you, senior position. Mike, why don't you think you taught a lesson if, you, if you're so kind the of first, teachers and leadership? First thing I'd say in that was that there was, uh, my position was quite late on in the academic year from what I remember. And it was only two internal candidates uh, because the nature of international schools and, and getting people interviewed. Um, so the school already knew what my teaching was like. So I, th I think it is a good thing to, to do a teaching part of an interview for a, a senior leader. Um, and I think one thing we maybe haven't talked about so far here is when you move into a leadership position, whether that's head of department, head of year, uh, senior leader, your teaching takes a hit. Like suddenly it's not your main focus. It's something you do and it's something you want to do really, really well, but you can get pulled out at any second um you might not have the the amount of time you want to plan a lesson like you did when you were a teacher like we were in nqt or whatever and you have to have that teaching ability sometimes to fall back on because sometimes things get in the way so i i, I again i agree um i just don't think if i was in a school i'm, I'm trying to think of the best leaders i've worked with in schools uh, I'm not going to name names, I won't name schools, I'm not going to say Mike Harrowell. Uh, I'm just thinking of these people. And I think they were great school leaders. And I can't think of a single one of them who I saw teach a lesson. So I'd like to kind of throw that to both of you. Is think of the best school leader you've worked with in your current previous school, at any school you've been at. And did you know they were a great teacher? Danielle. Yes, yeah, so if I think about um, the greatest leader that I've ever had the privilege of working with, um, they were my head teacher when I first started um, as a senior leader, and they mentored me for a very long time, and then they went on to be far more senior than that. And I only ever saw them teach cover lessons, which I still think if anyone can walk in to a cover lessons is particularly quite a challenging school in Northwest London, um, not where I currently am. But they could go in and they could teach French. They would then go in and teach English. Although I tell you what, they'd go off on such, such a tangent, but the children would be hanging off on every single word that that person said. Um, and actually, I think there was such credibility in that. And one of my best memories of that person was they introduced themselves to me as the DT supply teacher. So I didn't even know that they were the head teacher. And yet the way that they carried themselves and the emphasis they put and the importance they placed upon their teaching was really, really important. So whilst, yes, they didn't teach many lessons, this was the other point I was going to come back to in terms of credibility. Yes, we're talking about teachers' um, perspective of a leader, but actually the children's perspective is really important as well. And I think the second that you become a teacher and you show your passion and your love for a subject, you show how, how much you value that position of teaching children. I think that entirely changes the children's perspective of you. So I think even more so than staff, the children's perspective of seeing you as a teacher as well as a leader makes you human, but also makes you far more respectable. Mike, that sounds to me a very well put point and maybe a good point to stop and go and have a little biscuit break and think about what Danielle's just said there. Um, so go get a biscuit, top up your tea if you need to, and we'll be back shortly to talk more. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to in your tea break. Um, Mike, just before we went there, Danielle made a very good point about leaders and teaching. What do you think? Anything else to add, kind of branching off that? So comprehensive, wasn't it? Um, I want to get her on every week. Makes my job really easy of arguing with you. No, I just, I think if you're, you're passionate about teaching, you'll be a good school leader. You made so the point before. I'm, I'm going about... to jump in there because you said passionate about teaching. I 100% agree with you. And I can think of so many teachers who I don't think were like as passionate about their subject um, and were really good teachers. So I, I think being passionate about education is crucial to maybe being a good school leader. But I don't, again, I don't think that correlates. I know what you're thinking. I don't think that correlates necessarily with being a good teacher and that's why I don't think being a good teacher is a prerequisite to being a good leader I think it's all about recognizing good teaching I keep coming back to that point oh my god there's so many oh there's you can't see this listeners but I've got hands up and I've got two angry faces Danielle you go Arthur can I just ask you a really simple question define a good teacher please um define a good teacher Mm-hmm. because Someone passionate about education passionate about education passionate about children build strong so what, relationships missing? with their students in okay. order to improve them as learners make them love learning it's all about loving learning so keep going there's another point coming so can you be a leader any leader in a school if you're not passionate about education you're working in an education setting and you're passionate about helping children to learn so learning is huge that could be anything from tying their shoelaces holding a door open to um, taking someone's rubbish that left, they've left it on the table. It could also be learning math, science, anything. I'm struggling to see what the difference is. Because I don't, I don't necessarily think passion and enthusiasm, they help to make good teachers, but I don't think they make good teachers. Um, I know plenty of teachers who have, who have left teaching because they didn't have that passion for education, but were still good teachers. But I think it's, I think, the point I'm trying to make is I think it's more important for good school leaders to be able to recognise and promote good school values, culture, all that stuff, than be good teachers. And if I had a choice of a school leader between someone who could promote good teaching and someone who was a good teacher, I would choose someone who could promote good teaching. And I can think very specifically of someone who wants to lie and manage me, um, who I never saw te- teach ever, and they were the best leader in a school because they were passionate about what they did in their area but I wouldn't have a clue if they were a good teacher or not and it it doesn't matter to me if you told me that person was a dreadful teacher it still wouldn't take away from my viewpoint that they were a great leader in that school Michael so I know where to go with it um I think like individuals are different aren't they and different individuals have different emotional intelligence and to be a good leader you have to have high levels of emotional intelligence but to be a good classroom teacher you also need to have high levels of emotional intelligence and i i can see that it's possible to be a school leader without being a good teacher but i think the best school leaders are good teachers because they understand the profession you know if someone comes and knocks on my door and says i am struggling with my teaching right now but my job is head of teaching learning They come and knock on my door and say, I'm struggling with this at the moment. I just cannot get through to this class. I just cannot deliver this in a way that's engaging. 
it's all good and well me coaching them, but sometimes staff need me to be a little bit more directive and a little bit more um, give them some solutions that they can take away and use. If I wasn't a good teacher, would I have those solutions or would I lend, start leading them down the wrong path uh, and actually be detrimental to them and to the children? So I don't, I just don't understand why the argument is that, that I just think if you're the, if you're a good school leader, you're going to be a good teacher and you need to be a good teacher. So I think it's interesting what you said about your role as a head of teaching and learning. I think there's certain roles that, that being a good teacher is going to be more helpful. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking of head of department kind of specifically. I like my head of department to have really good subject knowledge and to be able to help me develop as a teacher. And I've kind of tried to embody that as well as I've had different leadership roles. But I'm thinking of maybe um, different school roles, maybe someone who's um, the head of pastoral care. Very different skill set, we could argue. Um, you may argue against me that. But maybe that person, their, their teaching strength, it's not as important that they were a great teacher in order to be a great pastoral lead. Um, oh, this is excellent. Um, so I think, therefore, the question, the question was, do good school leaders have to be good teachers? And I would argue, no, they don't have to be. Mike, your hand was up first. I want to pick it a thread. So you've got a head of department who's a fantastic leader of your department, but you know full well their lessons are not good. And the students are being let down by those lessons and the students are not making the progress we want them to make. They're not uh, embodying the school vision as you want them to. And then your head of department comes in and observes your lesson and criticizes your lesson and says that it wasn't as good as you think it was and you disagree on it. But everything they do in the department in terms of the system, the processes, the vision is good. So are they still a, school, a good school leader? Are you going to take that feedback? If I, if I trust them as my leader, I'll come back to trust. Absolutely. Because I, I can recognize that they may be able to recognize good leadership rather than just be a good teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that separation. I'm absolutely fine with that. I've had, those, I've had that feedback session. I'm absolutely fine with it. Danielle. Oh, I think this is getting really gritty. Right, two points. One, I think teachers, I'm going to say this, I include myself in it, are very melodramatic people. Um, I think we How like dare to you? <laughs> We don't <laughs> like to be told what to do. Um, so in, unless you're working in a school where culture is so strong that you truly are entirely embracing a feedback, but in that culture, I struggle to see an eventuality where you're going to be given feedback from someone who isn't able to teach their lessons to the standard that you'd expect. I can't foresee how there can be a symbiotic relationship between trust and someone who can, who's giving feedback but can't enact that feedback themselves. I just, I, I don't know. But I'm going to circle back to your previous point, Arthur, about that head of pastoral care, because actually I think that's something that we were possibly not necessarily addressing to begin with. And again, maybe I'm trying to take an easy line here. So I'm ready for the guns to be fired at me, Arthur. But I think a good teacher is not just someone who teaches with a whiteboard, someone who instructs subject knowledge. It's someone who enables the children to see character development, who can see resilience, who can overcome barriers, who can inspire, um, you know, someone who sets, sets really high expectations. And actually, that to me is what the definition is. And it's so much more important than subject knowledge. So actually, I think your head of pastoral has got to be equally as good a teacher as your head of English or MFL or whoever else it's going to be. It's just potentially a slightly different form of pedagogy um, and one that's maybe not subject specific, but rather whole child 
specific and actually there the responsibility is even greater so for that person not to be a good teacher I think could have a hugely detrimental effect hugely. I think you both um, make really good points and I have I would I would reconsider my opinion and still stick to it shocking um and I think if we just start to kind of round up the conversation now, I think what we've spoke a lot about, um, all three of us differently, is about trusting the leaders in the school. And maybe just it sounds like to me that we're just putting trust in slightly different areas of leadership. Maybe not necessarily saying one is wrong, one is right. I imagine that most of our listeners, most of the teaching community would absolutely agree with both of you. And I'd be really interested to hear our listeners' feedback. Um, do they think good teachers make good leaders? Do they think good leaders have to be good teachers? You can get in con contact with us at T and Teaching, that's letter T and Teaching on Twitter. Um, and if we kind of just start to summarise, I think I'd be interested to ask you both the same question of, let's go to someone who's, we spoke about NQTs, it's getting to that time of year where NQT interviews are taking place. Someone wants to move into school leadership in the future, they're new to teaching, and they come to you for advice as a senior leader in the school may say, what can I do to kind of progress in my school leadership so as a great teacher I can have a bigger impact in the classroom going forward? If I go to you first, Daniel, someone comes in and asks that question, what would kind of your, what would your feedback, what would your answer to their question be? Am I only allowed to give one? No. Okay, excellent. Right, um, two, I'll go for the easy one then. First one is always carry yourself with the demeanor of someone who already has that position so don't wait to be given a title to assume the responsibility that comes with it huge caveat in please don't do that arrogantly and kind of expect it but certainly you know little things like i was once asked a question of um why who's meant to be on duty over there there's no one there now i wasn't on duty but if i'd said i'm not on duty that would have looked like i didn't care so just assume those positions and really show that you're you're, you're able to fulfill that role before you've actually got it. And my second one um, is the one that I think I try to live by mainly more than anything else. Um, and it's when we interact with colleagues or children, their behavior is a manifestation of how they feel about something. It's not something specific to you. So if you can separate your emotions from it and see their behavior as something that is demonstrative of their feeling, then actually it makes you able to deal with that far better. So if you can kind of delineate and separate that from yourself then you start to see it from a more objective way and if you can figure out what's motivated them to behave in that way you can actually work with them far more quickly because you're able to strip away your own personal ego from it so remove ego and then it makes your life 10 times easier i think there's two really good points there for someone to take away and just kind of think about and how they um kind of use that as they move forward in their educational career mike anything you'd like to add to that I think take the opportunities. Um, a lot of teachers, they second guess themselves sometimes. An opportunity arises and they wonder, am I good enough for this? Um, and there's a lot of people who want to tick every box before they go and put themselves forward for something. And yeah, that's really, really key. But also sometimes stepping up when you're not quite ready, it can be really, really beneficial as well. Um, and it can be the, the step up that you need to develop those skills. So just looking for opportunities in the school, not necessarily promotions, but opportunities to get involved in working parties, opportunities to get into discussions with other members of staff and go and look at other subjects around the school and just gain some experience and kind of embed some knowledge that way as well. 
interesting how neither of you said be a great teacher. Uh, we've already covered that. <laughs> I, I don't feel that needs any more coverage. I've got one more question, actually, if you don't mind. Um, I've been at the UK for five years now, Danielle, so I'm interested because the teacher shortage seems to be getting worse mm -hmm. um, just from the outside looking in. And I want to just really briefly, I know we could do a whole podcast on this, but really briefly, do you think more people are getting thrust into leadership positions maybe before they're ready because there is a, a bit of a, a void of people leaving the profession? Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. Simplistically, I'm sure, well, I actually hope we get a lot of commentary on this and I do need to think about it, but I'd probably say no, because actually I think it is those people who've got the 25 hour a week timetables that are leaving the profession because you can't teach full time and do all of the marking and do all of the other things and the parents evenings and, 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 and. So actually, I think if you were to look at the teaching profession and you're going to look at specific groups of who was leaving most quickly, I think it's your recently qualified teachers and it's those kind of sub five years. So unless you've got into leadership very early, which I was lucky to do so, you know, I think I only taught a year where I taught a full timetable and that to me seemed insurmountable. Um, so I'm very lucky from that perspective, but actually I think possibly not because it's it's that middle it's that middle group. Obviously now you've got your NQTs that no longer exist. I think they're ECTs or ETCs. I can't remember which way around now. And it's the three year program to try to kind of buffer that a little bit more. So my guess would be that it's those recently qualified teachers that are the ones leaving anyway. So no, I think which is very problematic. If I can just add there, Mike, as, as someone who came back to the UK and then left the teaching profession although staying in education i left just on the simple reasons i couldn't line up my role as a as a husband as a father to my role as a teacher in the school they just they couldn't work together i couldn't be a great teacher a great leader in school and be a husband and a father and that was just time constraints and it's all the other things that we're kind of i'm sure everyone who is involved in teaching know that and it got to a point where i i made a decision to do something that was better for for my family rather than just to be in school because i just couldn't align the two yeah i think it'd be an interesting one to do a podcast on arthur people who are considering leaving or recently left and, and the reasons for that that'd be interesting it'd be really good well i think we'll round up there by saying danielle thank you so much for your time i think mike's keen to have you back again as a guest he seems to Happy. much prefer talking to you than me <laughs> Um, I mean, as long as we speak before and we are both diametrically opposed to Arthur, I'm, I'm keen for anyone to come on who disagrees with Arthur. <laughs> I can think of a lot of people we can bring on then, Mike. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, um, Danielle. Really appreciate it. Um, enjoy the rest of your holidays. Um, thank you. Everyone else, we're going to take a quick 20 second break and then me and Mike will be back to just round up today's episode. See you in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Uh, Arthur, what's your final thoughts on what was a very, very interesting podcast? I just think it's a great discussion to have in staff rooms because um, I think it, you learn a lot about your views of teaching and school leadership. I think it's a great conversation for uh, SLT members to also have just informally in themselves because I think it tells you a lot about your your understanding of leadership in the culture of your school is what I would take away from that you yeah it's something I think about a lot like if I'm really really busy and I'm getting squeezed and I'm thinking and you know not having as much time to plan my lessons as maybe I want I always come back to that like 
am I being a good teacher at the moment? Am I doing the kids a disservice by being a school leader? The kids that I teach directly. So it's something I come back to a lot as a school leader. Um, and it's something I kind of, I use to, to motivate myself to, to make time for those lessons and make time for those students and make sure that they don't get less of a deal by having a senior leader be their teacher. So yeah, I, I think we could definitely do more podcasting on that, more episodes on that. Um, but it's been really, really interesting talking to both you and Danielle this episode. Yeah, it's just, again, a really interesting conversational point. I'd ask people just go and have, ask that question in the staff room, ask it with your teacher friends. Um, we're going to leave it there for today. If you've got any points on today's podcast, please get in contact with us at T and Teaching. That's Let's T and Teaching on Twitter. Or if you've got any um, points you want us to talk about, or if, even if you'd like to come and be a guest, or you'd like a guest on the podcast, get in contact with us on Twitter, um, and we'll be happy to talk to you. Talk to you, um, Michael. Pleasure as always. You too, Arthur. Until and next I'll see time. You soon. Take care. Take care. Thank you.